Hello, everybody. You're listening to Angel Nears, the podcast. Angel Nears is a Silicon Valley community for startup builders, where experienced operators share their firsthand knowledge on how to build and scale startups. I'm your host, Ole Kujikov, and our guest today is Benji Weinberger, a tech industry leader with over 20 years of experience at Google, Twitter, Foursquare, and Checkpoint. Benji is a longtime contributor to the Pants OSS build system, and today we're going to talk with Benji about addressing slow, broken, and inconsistent builds with the toolchain cloud-centric build system. Uh, but before we get into all that, Benji, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's lovely to be on. Good to have you. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and yeah, uh, how you got started in, in toolchain? So I'm originally from the UK, but I actually grew up in Israel and I went to university there and studied maths and computer science. And so I started my tech industry career as a software engineer in uh, Tel Aviv uh, at Checkpoint, as you mentioned, and ended up moving to San Francisco in 2002. And so I've worked as a software engineer for over 20 years at various companies, uh, among you've named several of them. And of those companies, Google at the time really stood out for being an early proponent of great engineering practices that are supported by state-of-the-art tooling and they built that tooling in-house because there was really nothing much that you could buy and google was just very conscious of we want our engineers to be productive we want them to follow best practices we are constantly refining those best practices and we're building the tooling to support them so i would like to clarify that when i say build tool that term can mean different things to different people but what I mean is the program that software engineers use that takes the source code that you write, that a human writes, and it takes it through all the steps required to turn it into a running program. So that could be everything from uh, resolving and downloading all the external dependencies, compiling or type checking the code, running tests, formatting the code, checking that its format is correct, packaging it so that it can be deployed, debugging it. There are many, many steps that the code goes through to become software that you can uh, deploy and run. So I'm referring to the that world of tools. And just to clarify, that whole process is called build, like from start to finish, or is build one part of it? That whole process is what I'm referring to as build. It's a loose term. Other people might include certain things in it or exclude certain things from it, but that's roughly what I mean when I use the phrase build, build process or build tool or build system. And most engineers would roughly recognize that as the scope for the, for that term. And, and I understand that's uh, what your company does too. So it sounds like you kind of learned a little bit about this at Google and were able to take that to uh, Toolchain. Is that right? Correct. So when I left Google, I was surprised and a little saddened to learn that the industry hadn't progressed much. And so I left Google and went back to this world of having to work with fairly mediocre hack together tooling and with all of the sort of negative impact that that had on both your uh, practice and your productivity. My next rollout was at Twitter where I met Another engineer, John Soroys, who is now my co-founder, who had also worked at Google, although I didn't know him at the time there. And he was also, like me, frustrated by the lack of generally available sort of high-quality build tooling. And he was uh, working on this internal build tool at Twitter called Pants, which you mentioned, at the time with a focus on the Scala programming language, which was used very widely at Twitter. And I connected with him, and we made a few contributions to Pants together to implement some features that I needed. Can you talk about Pants? I'm just curious what that is. I know I, I know I read it off and I should be prepared, but uh, what, is, what is the Pants system? So Pants was actually, it's an open source project that John and I, John had started at Twitter. And after Twitter, I went to Foursquare. Foursquare had a similar set of build challenges 
uh, also in Scala. And I reached out to John and suggested that maybe Twitter could open source pants and we would collaborate on it and use it at Foursquare. And that's exactly what happened. So we created the open source pants project in 2011, so 10 years ago. Several other companies got involved and we added some support for more language and languages. And it became like a useful, nice uh, project with a good user base. However, pants, a couple of years ago, we realized that pants was starting to uh, show its age. We had learned a lot of lessons while building it. And one of the things that we started working on even before Toolchain and have continued to work on aggressively at Toolchain is what we refer to as Pants V2, which is really a complete reimagining and rebuilding of the system uh, based on the lessons we learned from you know uh, 10 years of working on the first uh, version of the system. And Pants V2 is currently focused on uh, support for the Python programming language, but we will be adding support for other languages uh, this year and, and uh, going forward. And Pants is really where the idea for Toolchain came from. Can you tell me more about V2? Is that is that going to be relevant? I'm, I'm kind of curious what you learned maybe in the, in the first version that you're taking to the second version. I'm sure it's more than... Tell me about it. I'm curious. Absolutely. So... When I left Foursquare, I knew I wanted to continue working on build systems. It was a fascinating thing to me. I have been a software engineer for many years, and I felt like the, my own craft, the craft of software engineering, was something I could contribute to. And one of the realizations we had when we sat down and looked at, you know, what is wrong with build systems today? What would we like them to be like in the future? And a big part of it was that systems, including Pants v1 to a large degree, uh, we're very focused on uh, running on your desktop. They run on the local machine that uh, you, the engineer initiates the build on. That could be your laptop. It could be maybe a continuous integration machine. But it's still very local machine-centric. It's very focused on looking at state that's spread across the file system on those machines. And we realized that what we really want is a system that can take your work the build work that needs to be done, break it down into many thousands potentially of very small tasks. And each of those tasks can be so completely described in terms of its inputs and its actions that you can, first of all, cache them. So, you know, if there are thousands of tasks that need to be done, but uh, all but a few hundred of them have already been done in the past with the exact same uh, inputs, then you can just skip doing them because you've cached the outputs. And then of the remaining tasks, uh, instead of having to run them sequentially because you cannot reason about which one might depend on side effects of the other one, you can run many of them concurrently because you can actually do the analysis to say these tasks don't depend on these other tasks so we can run them all together. And then finally, and this is one of the hardest and most interesting things, is in many cases you can run this work remotely in the cloud so instead of being confined to whatever eight cores on your laptop, you might be able to run on many, many hundreds of cores in a cluster. And so that was kind of the insight. And that insight drove both the design of Pants v2, which is the client component of all this and is open source, and the design of our proprietary systems at Toolchain, which are the server side of this, which receive those requests and for caching and for remote execution and so on. So you've been kind of involved with this idea for a long time. and sounds like you've worked on this open source project pretty pretty hands-on intuitively how would you describe it yes i've been a lead contributor to pants for 10 years now so i was very involved in the development of the v1 system and in the design and the implementation of the v2 system 
And I should mention that the V2 system was we launched with Python support last October. And so uh, now we are in the process of gaining more and more users for Python and in the future for uh, other languages. So the V2 effort reached a successful conclusion and a successful launch, but it was not easy. And so now I understand that the Pants OSS system, how does it tie into Toolchain? Can you tell me about starting your company? Absolutely. So really there are these two components. There's the client that can run with all the caching and concurrency on your laptop. But if you really want to go to that next level, you want the caching uh, and the remote execution to be shared across your team. You want uh, first of all, you don't want to be limited to the resources on your laptop. You want to be able to, like I said, run on hundreds of cores in the cloud instead of the small number of cores on your laptop. But you also want to be sharing sharing that cached work across your team. So a very typical workflow is I write some code, make some changes, run some tests, compile the code if it needs to be compiled, um, if it's a compiled language, and so on. Then I push the changes to the code repository, let's say GitHub, and then my coworkers pull that code down. Now they, in order to establish a baseline, have to rerun all the work that I did. And if I've already cached it, they get that work for free. So there were really the two components here. Pants is very useful in its own right as a local desktop-based build tool. It becomes dramatically more useful if you can connect it to a cluster. And so that's a very obvious distinction between what is open source and what is a service. And the company exists to provide the service, but of course we also do a ton of development on Pants itself because it is so strategic for us. That's really interesting. So you talked about how this is useful and you know I, I, I believe you, uh, the way you've described you know, this build system. Can you talk more about what kind of programming projects this is going to be useful that this is useful for today that this might be useful for in the future because you know something like this um i probably don't need it to run you know uh, hello world in python on, on my uh, on my local machine right so what kind of projects uh, do you see or, or what kind of users do you have what kind of, what, what are who are your chief chief evangelists who, who's really into this kind of system great question so as i mentioned we're, our initial support is for Python, uh, and although we are looking at other languages down the road. And in Python, we've identified there are three kind of big buckets of Python usage. One is data science, which is growing very rapidly. Python has become the language of choice for a lot of data science and machine learning, and that alone is contributing a huge amount to the growth of the popularity of Python. Uh, I think sometime last year or maybe the year before, Python overtook Java to become the second most actively developed language. So Python popularity is exploding and data science is a big driver of that. And then the other buckets of Python usage, and again, this is very rough, are uh, Python is very popular uh, for DevOps uses and it is very popular more generally for building uh, web services and systems thanks to uh, really robust frameworks like Flask and Django. So where Pants really shines is when you have a code base that is growing, even if it's small now, but you anticipate that it will grow. If your code base really is hello world and that's all it will ever be, Pants might be overkill, but and Toolchain might be overkill. But if your code base is growing and you're collaborating with people and your code base is growing more than linearly over time because 
you're also hiring more engineers who are contributing to your code base. At some point, you have to make some hard choices about how to grow your code base. And one way, uh, which unfortunately in Python has been kind of imposed by the lack of great tooling, you start splitting your code base up into smaller and smaller pieces. And then you create really difficult problems with how you apply updates across multiple repos, how you collaborate across multiple repos. So the where a tool like uh, Pants comes in is it allows you to grow your code base as a single cohesive unit that everyone can collaborate on. And so that uh, things like analyzing how changes uh, flow through this, through your code base and how changes affect other people's work, much easier to reason about. Um, and yet, because of the uh, system like Toolchain, you can still get really fast builds. So tests run really quickly. Imagine being able to, you know, you've got hundreds and hundreds of tests in your repo, but you can run them all roughly at the same time instead of one after the other. So I would say that a really Python repos that are growing, uh, that where you anticipate there to be growth, are probably the sweet spot. And in particular, I would call out, uh, based on our sort of current user base, I would say data science in particular. Data science uh, applications can get very heavy. They involve numerical computing libraries that are very massive. And data scientists, generally their skill set lies in machine learning, in advanced mathematics, uh, they do not want to deal with tooling. And we can provide a very sort of robust solution to that problem for them. Well, it sounds great. Now that we know more about the company, tell us about the market. Why do you think this company is going to be big? Well, the market to some degree is still forming. So the realization that existing build tooling is substandard and how this affects your leads to poorer practices and lower productivity, that realization is still rising right now. So there are other systems and there are other companies out there. But if I look at our biggest competitor, it's not any other company or any other system. It is some mixture of homegrown jury-rigged solutions and along with some complacency. And so what you have is a bit of a boiling frog problem where people's Python repos grow and they get slower and they get broken, but it happens slowly enough that you don't realize you're in real trouble until the moment of trouble has long passed. So part of our challenge is actually to create that awareness and create that market. I think this is, and obviously this comparison is going to be very uh, self-flattering, but I think it is a little similar to what happened uh, in the very early days of GitHub. GitHub to some degree had to create a market for hosted revision control. I mean, it existed. There were other systems and companies out there, but it wasn't obvious that there was some huge benefit to letting someone else own this DevOps problem for you. And so I think we're in a bit of a similar situation now. Can you talk more about like the power of open source? And because it's such an interesting kind of business model, I, I, I don't even, you know, I know so little about it. Can you just talk more about, you know, having open source in your right there at the heart of your company? Sure. So we are still learning ourselves what it means uh, to have an open core model. Open core models uh, exist. Other companies have done them very successfully, but they're still relatively new. But to us, one of the things it means is that uh, growing the pants user base is strategically important to us because that is, as a company, because that is the top of our funnel. That's where our users are going to come from. And so we are making conscious choices around we would rather have 
you know, 10 new teams using pants, but not paying us than one team that is paying us. And, and those aren't exact numbers, obviously, there are always trade-offs. But generally speaking, promoting the size and the health and the robustness of an open source project, which includes not just getting new users, but getting new contributors and getting uh, other teams interested in uh, sharing ownership of the open source project and contributing to it and providing resources to it, uh, that is actually strategic to us. That is not a nice to have. That, that is the game. So I have questions here about, you know, describing the essence of your innovation and, you know, what the source of your competitive advantage might be. But I think you've kind of addressed those. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything to add? And I think we've addressed it. Uh, the key innovation, I would say, if you want to get a little more technical, is that our system pants and therefore toolchain models your build as a very fine-grained workflow. So as opposed to many other systems that work by just running tasks over your file system and their state is basically the state of the entire file system. They can't really model it any more precisely than that. Uh, for us, we create this very fine-grained workflow and that allows us to, as I said, break the work down into many small tasks. And each task, to each one of those tiny tasks, we can apply questions like, has this been cached? Does this need to run at all? Have any of its inputs changed? Can it be executed remotely because we know everything that need every input that needs to go into uh, that uh, particular task? So the technical innovation really is this thing in pants called the uh, we, which we unimaginatively refer to as the V2 engine, which is written in Rust. And so the V2 no that yeah we are really bad at puns. So the V2 engine is written in Rust, and it is the thing that looks at your build work and breaks it down into these tiny pieces and then figures out how to execute them. But one important thing to add, I would say, is that Pants is very easy to extend. We learned early on that almost every organization has custom build steps. It could be custom code generator or custom linting or just various custom steps that uh, organizations have. And so Making the system extensible is not a negotiable uh, requirement. It is an absolute must. And one of the things we've achieved here is allow you to extend the system and add your own build logic without you having to think about things like uh, concurrency and caching and remote execution. They just fall out of the design of the API. So as you extend the system, your custom build steps enjoy the exact same uh, caching and remote execution benefits as the core code does. Why do you think the timing's right? You know, I, th I think you it might be because, um, you know, these tools have kind of been around a little bit, it sounds like, at, at Google and you were seeing them used. Uh, so, you know, things take a while to get popularized. Why do you think, has it something changed with, you know, the technology landscape with platforms today with customers that, that now's the timing, uh, now the time is right? Or, or can you, you know, why is now the right time for your business? I think there's a few things converging. So. One is that software builds have just gotten more complicated over the last 10, 15 years or so. One reason for that is there are a lot more layer of abstraction than there used to be. People are using more frameworks, containers, VMs, uh, languages have gotten more complex. And so there's just a lot more layers between the source code and the bare metal program that runs. And so that process of translation of code to software has just become more opaque. Then there's the explosion of open source. So 
almost no code bases today are completely self-contained. Typically, you know, a code base at a company or a team or, a, or of an individual is like the tiny t visible tip of an iceberg and they're sitting on this giant stack of open source libraries. And then the problem of figuring out uh, sort of how to resolve all the transitive dependencies of all these libraries is becoming a more and more complex problem. Then you have the popularity of things like microservices where you say, I want one code base with a lot of shared code, but I want to deploy lots of different microservices that all use different parts of the code base. And so that requires a lot of dependency tracking that today's tools don't handle very well. And then there's also just the, the ongoing trend of software development is becoming more democratic. There's been this proliferation of boot camps and online courses, and there are far more people with non-traditional training paths and who are now working as software developers. And so you want the tooling to support uh, people who really want to focus on doing the work and not going under the covers. So build tools just haven't really kept up with these trends. And we feel like a lot of those trends are converging on making more and more people held back by the lack of great tools. And then I think the other trend is uh, that I've already mentioned is just the really inspiring and rapid growth in the use of Python. So, and particularly with data science and machine learning. So it used to be the, that there's been a, a sort of truism for a while in the industry that every company is a software company, and that is true. But now increasingly, every company is a data science company. So there are data science teams popping up at sort of pretty much you know, every Fortune 500 company. It is no longer a Silicon Valley thing. And so if you're the data science team at, you know, pick a non-tech uh, Fortune 500 company of your choice, you, you know, you don't have the capacity to build your own tools. You want to use as much as possible off-the-shelf tools that make your life easier. So I think that is why now my, is, is an interesting time to be in this space. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to hear you kind of talk through that. It makes a lot of sense and, you know, I do think kind of what you said about the translation of code and, and code being translatable, it, it is a beautiful thing. And yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see where it goes. What are some of the key milestones that you've achieved along your journey? And uh, you know, where do you stand today at Toolchain? The biggest milestone we've achieved is one I've already mentioned, which was the release of PANS 2.0 last October. And that was like the culmination of a multi-year effort by many engineers across multiple organizations you know, to take those lessons we learned from uh, the for, from Pants V1 and apply them to really a brand new system. The, the V1 and V2 share very little code, and that was a lot. That was a considerable feat of engineering, though I say so myself. But I, I'm very proud of it. It is, you know, we we built a really robust, extensible system with some really great features, and users really love it. So that was a really big milestone uh, on the open source side. On the sort of company side, I think we've had we've raised uh, two rounds of financing with some really great investors, and so those were really big milestones. And now we're looking towards our next milestone, which is you know we have capital, we have a product, and we have some happy users. And our next milestones involve getting a lot more happy users, some of whom will be paying us uh, to break out of their laptops and run their build work in in the cloud.
And as you kind of go after this next milestone, what's uh, what are you tracking? What's the most important metric for you? Do you have a a north star metric that helps you kind of track what you what you guys are doing? So we're really looking at. I don't want to get into too specific numbers, but we are looking at two main things. One is the open source growth, which, as I mentioned, is our, our top of funnel essentially, and then how well do we understand the our ability to convert uh, down that funnel to paying users. So I mentioned earlier, we would rather have 10 teams using pants without paying us than one team using pants and paying us. And that's half true. There are obviously, as I mentioned earlier, trade-offs, but the main thing for now is, uh, are we understanding the physics, if you will, of uh, converting users down that funnel? Mm -hmm. Yeah, trying to understand, you know, the steps that occurred along the way and how you can best recreate those. Yes. So which teams, you know, what, what can we learn about which teams are more likely uh, versus less likely to want uh, what tool chain is selling? And can you maybe talk about some of the challenges of doing that for an open source platform? Can I call it an open source platform? Yes, it is an open core platform. So Pants itself is open source and it's the core of, of our technology. And then there's the service around that. So I've been referring to it as open core. Can you talk about the maybe the challenges of, of having that kind of top of the funnel versus, you know, a traditional uh, or even just a, SaaS, a traditional SaaS company? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that much about traditional SaaS companies, to be honest. So this is my, my first venture. One of the things we've, the approach we have taken, at least, is that our growth is coming from developer relations and not through, say, traditional uh, marketing or business development like we believe that our customers and our users are software engineers generally speaking that community for better or worse is very much a you know show me the benefit and i see your point about github a, a little bit clearer now uh, and and, see, and being similar to that cuz i think your customers are your users uh, or at least that's what it looks like right yes the we are Building for engineers, it's true that not every one of our users, our users are not individually paying for this. We would, you know, uh, we're still exploring pricing models and so on, but it really is a team thing. So at some point, someone who is maybe a manager uh, and not an engineer, but has uh, check signing uh, rights will have to sign some checks. But overall, our proposition is very much our challenge, but I also think our opportunity is that the way to reach engineers is to provide them with real benefit that they both can measure and can intuit. There is no, in this world, there is no fake it till you make it. And I'm not a fan of that, I, that in general, but certainly here, uh, engineers require proof. If you can show them real benefit your builds got faster your builds were more stable things crashed less often uh you know we've improved your productivity they will know and that is something they will be uh, happy to both pay for and join communities around and so on but uh, so challenge and also as i mentioned opportunity is that we have a strong belief in the sort of technical benefit of what we're doing and we just need to show that benefit obviously it's not quite that simple. There is always some marketing. There is always, you know, creating content, uh, providing support. But 
you have to, in the end, the, the, the ultimate thing we, we are getting towards is we help you adopt Pants open source. It's free. You know, we want to grow that community as much as possible. And at some point, we want to be able to reach out to teams and say, tell you what, here's a one line configuration change for your config file. And here's a month's worth of free credits and see the benefit. And if you don't see the benefit, we'll never talk to you again. Can you keep talking about the benefits of this? Because to like, I'm trying to understand it myself. And I think it sounds great. It sounds like it could be a huge time saver, right? And energy saver, because if you have clean environments to test things in, that's great, right? We want to test all our changes. And also if we can test rapidly and we can test in parallel, it sounds like, if we can break down the, those big tests and do them kind of piece by piece, uh, piecemeal it, then it sounds like a huge time saver. But that also feels kind of uh, in shallow in a good way. Is there anything deeper that this does to kind of f- for teams maybe? Um, what do you think this might do? So th- the, the question is, yeah, do you, have any, do you have any idea of like what a deeper benefit for, for teams might be that are, that, are, that are using this? So the tooling in general allows you to grow your code base as one single uh, coherent diverse code base that might involve multiple systems and multiple platforms and multiple languages. And the term of art for that is a mono repo, like a single big repo. So we refer to it as a mono repo. And there are various advantages to having a mono repo. I have a whole talk about this that I give sometimes. But one of the big advantages is that having a single sort of shared code base allows for much better uh, sharing of code and sharing of effort. So it keeps your uh, engineering team unified around sort of common work and a common goal. And there are companies out there that have gone, uh, that I've seen that have gone with a very different model where basically they just keep splitting their code base and splitting their code base. And like this company, you know, you might have hundreds of engineers and also hundreds of repos. And you end up with this sort of balkanized code base, which leads to a balkanized team where uh, people are not working cooperatively because there is no shared uh, set of, of information for them to cooperate on. So that is a benefit you can get with uh, adopting a tool like Pants. Then something like Toolchain comes on and says, look how much faster we can make this. And then the other benefit of Toolchain, which I have not mentioned yet, is what, what we are also building is a modern browser-based user interface around not just your builds, but your whole team's builds. And that includes things like analytics, so you can see where things are fast and where they're slow, where they're okay and where they're broken. Build tools today, really almost without exception, the interface is uh, through a terminal window. So you type commands in in a console on the command line, and a wall of text gets spat out at you as the system runs. And that's been that way since the 1970s, pretty much. Uh, and that really hasn't changed, but you know, we're 2021 now, we have browsers, you know, we have web interfaces. And if you think again about what um, GitHub did to Git, it used to be before GitHub that that's how you, your, your primary way of interfacing with your uh, revision control system was on by typing in command line commands. And GitHub said, there's a much better way. Look at this beautiful UI we've built. And so uh, we, th- the other big benefit is 
let's you know we're now deep into the 21st century we should have uh, interfaces that look like it yeah agreed talk about reaching your customers to deliver your value prop it sounds like you have a great you do have great value well we're still working on that so until recently we were very much in r&d mode and our users were all inbound they found us through uh they found the pants project predominantly through a web search or through word of mouth and we have a lot of documentation and we invite people to join the project on Slack. And so that is mostly how we reached users. Now, you know, that, that kind of big R&D phase is over and now we're much more focused on what is our outbound strategy. And as I mentioned, uh, that is predominantly through developer relations. Um, we're still figuring out what that means beyond that slogan, but we've hired, recently hired a head of developer relations and uh, we're working together on, okay, um, how do we look at the existing community and grow it uh, dramatically based on really providing value? So yeah, we're still working on how do we reach our customers in, on an, in an uh, outbound fashion. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you know the, the revenue part is also you know side by side but, uh, with along with those conversations. Um, how how are you thinking about you know generating profit? today or in the future? So as I mentioned, I think once we have a team using pants, it is, I, I, I don't like to use the word easy because nothing is easy, but it is straightforward to say, you know, here's a small config change and here's some free credits and watch your builds get magic, go from like 20 minutes to two minutes. And, you know, if we can provide that experience, they will not be enthusiastic about going back to the slow builds. So that's kind of how our current thinking around monetization goes, like how exactly we, you know, there's still a lot of ongoing discussions on how we bill and sort of how, like how we charge for this, um, because there's a lot of complicated moving parts here around um, uh, how much, you know, what resources uh, a particular team is using. Uh, probably we will have to meter the resource usage, the CPU and memory and network and storage, because if we don't, if you charge like a, you know, sort of a, a seat license, no matter how you price it, someone will find a way to arbitrage that and mine Bitcoin on your service. <laughs> yeah. Pricing sounds uh, challenging. And uh, yeah, nothing's easy, but maybe uh, customers are enthusiastic about continuing business once they've seen the value. Yes. We are very diligent about providing a lot of personal assistance to users that find us on Slack and elsewhere. We are very, very quick to respond to user questions. Uh, we take user suggestions. We take user bug reports. We apply them very quickly. We, Even though Toolchain is sort of the dominant force in the Pants community right now, but it is a community and others, uh, other users get to vote on kind of the direction of the project and how they would prioritize various uh, features and uh, development priorities. So we're just one player among many, albeit a, a very important one. So that's um, kind of a, you know being very personal and one-on-one -on -one and, and helping the community grow uh, through everything from uh, you know uh, helping with documentation to pair programming uh, has been really big for us. Can you talk more about the competition you have out there and, you know, maybe what kind of models they're using to 
generate revenue? Is it similar? Do, do you see your competitors doing similar things or, or what do you see out there? It's fairly similar. So in terms of open source, as I mentioned, the single biggest category of competitor is like homegrown systems and complacency. So, but if you look at specific names beyond that, then one system that comes to mind for a lot of people is Bazel, which is an open source version of Google's internal tool that is out there. And now Google themselves do not appear to be invested in providing services uh, around Bazel. It's an open source project, such as it is. A lot of people use it, but Google had some experimental remote build product that they shut down. There are several other, there are a few other companies there providing this kind of service uh, for Bazel users. Uh, I don't know a ton about them because we're in very different communities, but it might, but they do appear to be similar to us uh, in some of their approaches at least. Okay. And I guess last question here for me, biggest challenges that you still need to address as a company? Oh, so many. <laughs> I think the biggest is one we've talked about quite a bit, which is growing the pants community dramatically like basically our goal is for this to become the de facto standard build system for python because there isn't one today and and while we're doing that to also introduce support for other languages probably java and scala first uh, although um, you know that also depends on what the community wants to see so the biggest challenge is you know, developers' attention is limited and it is they are being bombarded by many, 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 many forms of marketing and companies that are trying to sell uh, developers on systems that improve their productivity. And so uh, breaking through and growing the community through demonstrating value is our biggest strategic priority. And if we get that right, a lot of other good things flow from that. What can you tell me about the strategy? I don't, you don't have to share everything, but I'm sure it's more than like throwing together a webinar or something. Um, so we're still working on that. As I mentioned, we recently uh, hired a head of developer relations because we believe that uh, that is the most appropriate path for uh, reaching users in a constructive and way that does not involve overt marketing and making promises that we can't uh, live up to so you know there's going to be a lot of trial and error but i think there's a component of just getting the word out there which is you know an interesting thing in its own right breaking through a lot of noise and just becoming known there are these stages where at first you need people to just have heard of you and when they think of they may not be thinking i need i'm a python engineer i need a build system but they've at least heard of say pants and they know that uh you know, oh, if I ever need to look at a build system, the name Pants is lodged in my brain. And then, you know, sometime later they realize, oh, I need a build system. What was that thing called? And, you know, then they start becoming interested and then we can help onboard them and uh, get them to, you know, become happy users and maybe in some cases happy uh, contributors to the project. So there's a lot of just groundwork of making sure people have heard of you uh, and understand the benefits and then the next step is okay here's why this abstract problem is actually a problem that you have and here's how we can help you do you have any final thoughts as we kind of close this out uh you know you're going into 2021 and you want to grow upward so i don't know what's on your mind i guess 
I'd say, yeah, if, if anyone listening to this is a Python developer and any of this was interesting, then definitely feel free uh, to reach out. Hopefully we can uh, put some contact information in the uh, episode notes. But more generally, I would say that this whole area of developer tools and developer productivity is, is really undergoing a big boom right now. And there's a lot of fascinating work to do. And a lot of it is technically challenging. And as I mentioned, like there's no fake it till you make it in this space. But if you are a, an engineer or any other uh, tech professional and you are eager to solve hard technical problems, uh, this is a really interesting and, and fun space to be in. I imagine uh, any self any developer worth their salt can probably find a tool chain and pants by going to the Google search bar and plopping those uh, keywords in there. Uh, what's the best way to reach you for the listeners? Sure. So I'm uh, at Benji W on Twitter, B-E-N-J-Y-W. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's slightly unconventional spelling. Also, you can find the Pants Build project is at Pants Build, one word. And Toolchain is at Toolchain Labs. All right. We're going to end it there. If you liked our show, thank you because that was, I was exhausted the whole time and uh, I did not, I didn't think I'd make it through after this long day of skiing, but we did it and I'm stoked. Benji, this was awesome. And to be honest, I'm going to be looking into pants myself. Didn't think, uh, well, I didn't know much about build environments before we did this, but now I think it'll be very very much something I'm talking about in my next company meeting. So thanks for joining. Thank you for sharing. Uh, if you liked, uh, please give us a like wherever you listen to your podcasts. And Benji, uh, again, thanks for joining. I appreciate you sharing your time and let's get you back on here someday. Thanks for having me on anytime. Anytime. <laughs>